All righty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Week two is in the books, and uh, Wiz and I are here to do a little recap on uh, each of the conferences, and we're going to start off today with the AFC. Wiz, how are you on this beautiful September day? Yeah, it really is a spectacular September day. Nice and cool, low humidity. It's just uh, just beautiful. Yeah, doing well, and uh, right now on to week three. Yeah, and uh, this, this is a week where we're going to be contending with a, kind of our first rash of injuries at the quarterback position, um, a number of quarterbacks. I, and I'm going to start with the Houston Texans, Wiz, because I think you, you brought out a good point. Uh, we had gotten together at a friend's uh, house yesterday, Johnny Max. And, um, you know, you talked a little bit about Tyrod Taylor and that Cleveland game and, and kind of the direction of that game went after Tyrod Taylor went down. He'd been playing really well. We know Brandon Cooks has been a material factor in fantasy so far. And the minute uh, Tyrod Taylor went out of that game, uh, that was it for the Houston Texans, and it was able to, uh, Cleveland was able to take over and win. But I, I guess what I want to ask now is, is, what do you think this now means for the Texans who – there was a lot of question marks around this team, but Taylor had been playing exceptionally well. Uh, what, what do you think happens now uh, with the loss of Tyrod Taylor for at least, it looks like, three to four weeks? Yeah, I think it's going to hurt them. I mean, he he was playing well, and I, I was convinced that either the Texans were going to win that game yesterday or it was going to literally go down to the last few minutes of the game because they were kind of like moving up and down on the field in the uh, the Browns' defense uh, is not playing well, and uh, that's for another conversation. But yeah, I think I think you know takes a hit, you know, for the skill players uh, on the Texans um, a little bit, and uh, I, I think uh, I think it's you know just it's, you got to feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. It just seems like every year in week two or three something happens where his season comes to a screeching halt in some way and I mean, it's not a season-ending injury but it's going to be a multi-week injury and uh i don't know if the rookie's playing well i don't know what they're going to do there but you have to feel bad for tyra taylor and uh and uh i think as far as the skill players go i mean brandon cooks is playing so well with taylor the first two weeks uh i'd be a little bit concerned about what's going to happen going forward but uh but uh, again just difficult for tyra taylor yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay within this division, Wiz, and uh, you know Carson Wentz coming up with a big injury in this game. Actually, two injuries because both of his ankles are hurt. So it looks like I, I think he's going to miss a couple of weeks. Uh, that's more than likely going to be the case. And you know, I, I don't know Indianapolis now. Uh, you know, uh, they obviously gutted it out. They almost got a win against the Rams, but. And potentially Indianapolis, who who a lot of people felt had had playoff caliber uh, roster here. And again, the impact on kind of the skill players. Again, Michael Pittman had a great game in, in this particular ball game uh, against a good secondary, but losing his quarterback is definitely something that's going to hurt. And I would argue that uh, for Jonathan Taylor, it means uh, facing eight in the box a little bit more uh, with a rookie quarter, well, a second year quarterback and, and someone who hasn't had a lot of experience in NFL games uh, behind center. Yeah, I like Jacob Eason. I've always liked him. Uh, he's got a big arm. Uh, so, he, he, yeah, I mean, he's not going to get them always in the right play, and that's going to hurt. But uh, I, I think I'd be okay with the skilled players on, on the Colts. Um, I think he's got a good enough arm. And uh, with that offensive line that they give him some time to throw, I think he could, uh, I, I think he could be okay there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 
he's struggling to score a touchdown. Uh, a lot of carries inside the 10 yard line the first two weeks, uh, zero touchdowns to show for it. So, uh, We'll have to see how that plays out. But I, I like Jacob Eason. I think he's going to be one of the interesting backups who are going to get a chance to start for a couple of weeks and uh, see what he could do. And uh, like I said, I, I like his I like his arm talent. Uh, so is, uh, I had the, uh, the very bad fortune this week of squaring up against, well, I got to square up against you uh, and Derrick Henry this week. But uh, I got hit over the head in multiple leagues with Derrick Henry with that late flurry. Uh, you had a great call, King Henry, King Henry on the road. Uh, just an amazing performance in the, in the fourth quarter and in overtime. And you just knew that, that he, they were just going to run and run and run him. Uh, Julio Jones with his first 100-yard game. That, that was a big win for, uh, for, for Tennessee going into Seattle um, and beating a very good Seahawks team, which basically manhandled Indianapolis the week before. But uh, Henry's performance was unbelievable. I think the one thing that we have to talk about is Derrick Henry has nine catches in two games. I don't think anybody had that charted um, in terms of uh, a- anticipating that kind of production of Derrick Henry in the passing game, but that's uh, that's pretty amazing bonus that Derrick Henry owners are getting to start the season. Yeah, if you're going up against Derrick Henry, it's kind of like a slap in the face that you gotta, you know, you're gonna probably have to deal with all of that yardage and and certainly every one of those goal line carries. But to see him catch so many passes, like a real, real extra slap to the face. Uh, I don't know how much that'll continue. Although they're not playing really many backs, and uh, and he's out there a lot, and uh, he's gonna, you know, they're gonna figure out to throw him a screen pass in one of these plays, and uh, he's gonna take it the distance. I think, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was that was a gutsy win and uh, interesting game where uh, Seattle just seemed like on the cusp of getting ready to put the game away like three or four times, and the Titans just kept hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging there, and they pulled it out. Uh, Seattle over the last couple of years has seemed to lose these type of games over and over again, but uh, to your point, it's a big win and a gutsy win for the Titans. All right, and uh, speaking of big wins, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, I've been critical before on this podcast, um, Derek Carr is playing phenomenally well. I I think the one thing that people kind of don't realize is that this is a completely revamped and reworked offensive line. And they're not running the ball particularly well, but Derek Carr is passing it well. Uh, In this particular game, the Pittsburgh Steelers took Darren Waller out. And uh, Derek Carr made sure he got the ball to his other receivers. Renfro looks like he's going to be more of an impact player being used properly. Brian Edwards, who had a touchdown taken away this week, outstanding play as well. They got Henry Ruggs going. Uh, Derek Carr is playing phenomenal football right now. He's probably sitting on a lot of waiver wires. Uh, I have seen in a few leagues where that is the case. That should not be the case. He's playing at a high level. I don't think the team runs the ball particularly well. Uh, So Derek Carr is a quarterback that's worth investing in right now, Wiz. Well, finally, Gruden's playing the right guys. Uh, Edwards is staying healthy, and he's a key guy. He's allowing Renfro to do his thing and give him an opportunity to be one of the best slot players, um, slot receivers in the NFL, and seeing if he could do that. And he should be, you know, in the West West Welker mode where he's catching six, seven passes a game and some crucial first downs. And Henry Ruggs, the first wide receiver taken in last year's draft, um, should should be explosive. And you have the elite Darren Waller, who, in my view at this point, is only second to Travis Kelsey as far as tight ends go. And, uh, and he's good. And I'm going to tell you this. I never thought I'd say this. 
Derek Carr is playing at a level where he's one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. Yeah, I think, I, and I think he's going to be forced to throw the ball. They got very talented receivers here. I think, like I said, with the offensive line not being as effective against the run, they lost a lot of key guys this year. And uh, you know, right now that they're finding a way to win uh, through the air. So let's see if it continues. I'm going to point out a player, Wiz, who I am unbelievably concerned about. I don't own him in any league. Uh, I owned him in one league last year. I picked him up in the last draft I was in, in the first round. He was a player that was hyped up to all kinds of insanity last year. But right now, I am so doubtful that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to make any impact as far as fantasy goes. He can't break a tackle. He's extremely ineffective. They're not using him in the passing game where we thought it was going to be a factor. But if I was a Clyde Edwards-Alaire owner right now, and I'm not in any league... I would be so concerned about what I'm watching on a week-to-week basis here. And I'm with you on Clyde Edwards-Aware. Um, where to start? I'm not even going to talk about the fumble. He, he's not a fumbler. He didn't have any fumbles at all last year. It didn't happen. I think there, that game should not be blamed on Clyde Edwards-Aware. I thought the Patrick Mahomes play where they were up 11 at midfield, and he tried to make that miracle throw and then that led yeah. to an interception bad, in the short bad, field bad choice, bad tur- choice. turned around and I know he makes those plays a lot but the game I'm not talking about the game I'm not going to talk about the fumble but there are a lot of things that I'm concerned about with Clyde Edwards Alaire you know there's a difference between an above average running back and elite running backs and, and the difference is an above average running back gets what the offensive line blocks for him and maybe a little bit more And then when you watch Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, they get the yards that's blocked for them and a whole lot more. Clyde Edwards-Alaire does not do that. That's number one. Number two is he's touched the ball in a season, one full season and two games of another season, 250 times. And he has one play over 30 yards. In that offense, that's unacceptable. It's just there are so many opportunities for him in that situation, and I'm with you on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think they trust Darrell Williams more. Uh, I think he probably should have been in there when all they were trying to do is gain a few more yards for Butker. But, again, I'm not going to blame the game on Alaire. There there are many, many, uh, there's a lot of blame to go around in that game. But more concerning is he does not get the tough yards. He just gets the yards that's blocked for him, not more. He only ran a 4.640, so he's not fast, but he, he's not showing his elusiveness uh, that made him uh, a player that Patrick Mahomes wanted the Chiefs to draft. So for all those reasons, I'm with you on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Edwards, a lot of concern. Yeah, and again, we we don't we didn't talk about this beforehand, so it's just kind of my observations, and uh, you you kind of you kind of agree with that, and I think uh, yeah, you you, you got to the eye test doesn't lie, and it's uh, I, I just see, seen it way too many times. Uh, one eye test that is definitely not lying is the Denver Broncos. You know, we watched this team in the preseason. We looked at this team as taking it very seriously during the preseason. Teddy Bridgewater has been terrific, not turning the football over. They have a tremendous young defense, especially in the secondary. Granted, they lost Jerry Judy. We told people to pick up Tim Patrick last week. He shouldn't be hanging around in any wave of wires. He's he's an effective guy. Uh, Cortland Sutton. 
Big, big game. Nice to see that recovering from that ACL surgery. Uh, you know, they didn't get much out of their uh, running backs, which you correct, correctly predicted, especially in the case of Melvin Gordon. But the Denver Broncos, 2-0 and after two weeks. You have to be happy about that. They're playing well, and they're playing with purpose. And this team took, like I said, the preseason very seriously, and it's carried over into the regular season. Yeah, I mean, the AFC, the way they work in the playoffs, is you have the three division winners and, the, and four wildcard teams and seven teams make the playoffs. But in my opinion at this point, if they just said, we're going to put the seven best teams, who are they in the AFC? At this point, I would say it's Kansas City, the Browns, and all four teams from the AFC West. That division is absolutely stacked, loaded with terrific players on both sides of the ball, talented young players on both sides of the ball and uh boy there is a tremendous amount of talent and i know it's probably mathematically or it is mathematically impossible for all four teams for all three wildcard teams to come from one division so it's not going to happen but that afc west is absolutely laden with talent all over the place both sides of the ball on all four of those teams. Yeah, I will say, Wiz, I expected a lot more out of the Chargers just this week in particular uh, against the Dallas defense that was definitely missing a lot of their fr- guys in their front seven, uh, their pass rushes in particular. Um, so a little disappointed on the offensive production from from the Chargers, but the Chargers defense has played well two weeks in a row. They, they really gave uh, Dak Prescott fits. I don't think that's a defense that should be sitting on a lot of waiver wires either. Uh, they're playing very effectively. They're playing healthy. Uh, but the offense has disappointed me. Again, they went against Washington last week, which is a better defense on the road. But in this past week with the defensive losses that uh, the Dallas Cowboys were dealing with, I expected to see a little bit more offensively than we got this week from the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, again, I was not as excited about Justin Herbert as most people in the fantasy football community were. He wasn't the same guy in the second half, certainly the the, the last several, you know, the last four or five games of his rookie season. And I'm going to say this, the Giants moved the ball a lot better against the Washington football team than the Chargers did. So, and then, and then against the depleted Dallas team, there were, there were problems and there was some mental mistakes made in that game, some strange penalties called decisions. It was an odd game overall, but um, they are going to have to play well to make the playoffs because um, as we've talked about from the first preseason game on the Denver Broncos mean business this year. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, I was a little concerned. I, I think, you know, coming back from that ACL injury, uh, Joe Burrow uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, we kind of worried that he really didn't get any action in the preseason, but for a, a cameo appearance on a couple of snaps. And it's unbelievable to see him throw picks on three consecutive throws in that particular ball game. A game that was a winnable ball game against the Bears. Uh, you know, the Bears aren't exactly world beaters. They're not, they're not a tremendous football team. Uh, Cincinnati had every, every way to get back into that game and win it. Um, I don't know how much of that is attributed to kind of the rust and the, not, and the lack of play. But three picks in a row, it's, it's really something that kind of hurts. Um, you know, from a production standpoint, you know, Joe Burrow's kind of been okay so far to start the season. He did connect with Jamar Chase again. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't know, you know, consistency might be a little bit challenging this year uh, for Joe Burrow. It, feel, it feels like he's playing a little nervous out there, Wiz. 
Well, it's never good when you have your second-year quarterback several times during the course of his game start screaming at his offensive lineman. But these are the choices you make. When you go for Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell, you're going to get the big plays to Jamar Chase, which have happened, but you're not going to get the pass protection. He, aside from those interceptions, took some really hard shots in that game, and that's going to continue to happen and to the point where he was just screaming at his offensive lineman and not protecting well. And um, and it's difficult for a young quarterback who had a season-ending injury, season injury last year, and he's getting hit at the rate that he's getting hit this year. I just hope they can protect that kid because I think he's got a tremendous talent and they have great skilled players. And, uh, you know, they're, they're on full display whenever he gets a chance to drop back and throw the ball. Yeah, and speaking of great skill players, uh, Lamar Jackson had a splendid second half. He really, he really uh, catapulted uh, the Baltimore Ravens to a win with, with a lot of good plays, both with his arm and, and with his legs. Uh, they, they, he certainly shut me up with my under three hundred and a half bet. Uh, they, they definitely got the better of the Kansas City Chiefs in this particular ball game. Uh, Marquise Brown looks like he's playing at a very high level right now. That connection that they kind of had in the second half of the year is carrying over into this year. It's a player who didn't get a lot of attention. In, in drafts and he was hurt a little bit uh, believe it or not in some leagues I've seen him on waiver wires so that should not be the case I, I guess Wiz now two weeks into this kind of new running back experiment uh, to me Tyson Williams looks like the best running back of this group I know uh, Devonta Freeman probably had the longest run in the last five years uh, that he's had uh, and we, you know again Latavius Murray is to me, very pedestrian. Uh, I'd like to see Tyson Williams get some more action, uh, but right now this is the way the breakdown is. Do you see this kind of, in your eyes, do you see this kind of being a lay of the land for the, for the Baltimore Ravens running backs? Or as the season wears on, as long as health stays this way, uh, that there'll be a little bit more confidence in Williams as, as, as the season moves along? So Tyson Williams is the most talented running back even when Le'Veon Bell eventually gets promoted, which I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, and that can make things even trickier. Uh, I think I think Tyson Williams will stay around 50% and above around 50 60% of the carries. Uh, he has obviously the most big play potential out of all those guys. He's the type of guy that could take a little swing pass and, and get big chunks of yards more so than the other guys. But they want to run the ball so much that they just, I'm sure they're not going to want to wear him down. So you're just going to continue to see a fair amount of Murray and you're going to see Freeman and or Le'Veon Bell at some point mixed in there. But uh, there's no question in my mind that Tyson Williams is the running back to have in that backfield. And uh, I'd be okay with holding on to him. And um, and I think I think he'll be okay. It's just going to be some weeks of real frustration because he's just not getting the carries that would put him at a at a, at a running back one level every week. And there's a couple of injuries uh, at other quarterbacks. We're looking at Tua potentially missing some time. I think we got to keep an eye on Ben Roethlisberger. Those are just two notes that I wanted to make. Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think you want to watch for for his availability. And if it, if on waiver wires, you, if Johnson does not play this week, or if you're a Johnson owner, you want to may look at you may want to look at James Washington. I just wanted to mention that. Wiz, I just this is the last guy I wanted to talk about in the AFC, and it's Damian Harris. You know, I had a very strong opinion of him coming into the season. Uh, I 
think the conservative game plan that New England's playing with, Mac Jones playing kind of within within himself, not taking too many risky throws, keeping it to those tight ends and, and the shorter throws. But Damian Harris was, you know, fumbled late in that game last week. We saw we saw Ramondre Stevenson was inactive in this game. A tremendous touchdown run helped out with his offensive lineman. He is catching the ball a little bit out of the backfield. I guess what I'm asking you, do you feel like, you know, that we're starting to get a little bit more clarity in that backfield in New England? Well, I think I think honestly, it's the same thing with the Patriots. It's it's a week to week thing. It could change drastically if one guy fumbles, one guy doesn't play well. But the player that they have the most trust in and is the most consistent is James White, which you which you, Harris, which you called by the way. You said he was going to be a big comeback year. Yeah, and and I yeah, and I liked him in you know against in like matchups against the Jets, and he's catching the ball. And look, it's fine and dandy, right? You could pound Damian Harris twenty twenty five times a game when you're playing a rookie against a rookie quarterback, and you know, you're holding him to three six points. Now when Tampa Bay rolls into town, <laughs> it's going to be a different game. You know, the cuffs are going to be off Mac Jones. He's going to have to m- kind of like match him point for point and throw the ball a little bit more. So I'm, I'm interested in what that running back situation looks like when they're playing a team where they're going to have to score 24, 27, 30 points to win the game. Are they going to stay patient with Damian Harris? A game against the Jets where they're up by two touchdowns, 17 points basically the whole way. I'm not sure if that's the measuring stick I'm looking at. I think it's a, it's a week to week situation. And, uh, but uh, for people that had given up on Damian Harris, I think they made a bad mistake when you contacted me and you had a league where you were, had a few choices. I told you to stick with Damian Harris because I thought he was uh, in a very good matchup on Sunday against the Jets. And I guess the last thing I want how about the Zach Wilson, who you were a little bit uncomfortable with, and you know some of those throws were just a disaster. And I don't know, the Jets never can seem to get out of their own way, but that that was a particularly discouraging loss. Uh, for the Jets as they once again face a uh, uphill battle uh, in another season. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it was a shock and a surprise to a lot of Jet fans, but it wasn't to me because this is Zach Wilson's kind of MO. He, you know, when he was able to get away with that with arm talent and, and just receivers that were better than the, the players he was going up against, he, he doesn't take the easy throw a lot. He doesn't take the little pass to, to, to move the chains or to get three or four yards. He's always looking to make the big play. And, um, you know, it really hurt him against the team that has uh, an elite defensive coach and terrific defensive players. And, uh, look, you hope you'll learn from it. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure there will be a learning experience. But his decision-making is, is out of all those rookie quarterbacks, um, is probably at the bottom of the list of those five quarterbacks that were taken early in this draft. So there'll be growing pains with, with Zach Wilson for sure, but he's got to learn to take what's given to him and sometimes just move along, just take a little short catch and uh, and go on to the next play. But some of those throws were – I think inexplicable would probably be the right word for it. Yeah, I expressed a lot of concern. Obviously, the the very tragic death of Greg Knapp uh, before the season and not having a seasoned uh, veteran on, on this roster to kind of help mentor him. And, you know, those just just little things that, that could have helped this Jet football team that they're unfortunately a little bit behind the eight ball once, <clears throat> once again. Wiz, do you have anything else yeah, to no. add in the uh, AFC? No, I think we uh, 
we covered it, and uh, yeah, excellent. All right, so let's grew Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast for a wrap-up on week number two in the NFL on the fantasy landscape, and we're going to be back very shortly with the NFC. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Wiz, talk to you on the other side about the NFC. You got it.